we taking a shot up in the tailgate yep. lot yep. with a stadium view. Woo! What a great spot. Damn it, I've been waiting all week. Counting down the days till I'm back in my seat. Till I'm back in my seat. Back on the boulevard, Monday, March 13th. As always, here to prove to you, there is no such thing as football season. Hey Siri, what do I have going on today? Victory Monday is scheduled for all day today. And every Monday, because we program the AI. And now she's learning that every Monday, for the rest of the season until May, it is Victory Monday. And we do have to fill out our brackets here. Uh, Penn State to the Natty, 250 to 1. At last check, yes, that means you can bet $10 and win $2,500. Safe pick. Listen, guys, we're exactly two months away from Saturday, May 13th. And if you don't know what that is, that's the XFL championship game in the Alamo Dome. So 60 days to figure out who will face the D.C. defenders out of the XFL South. Early reports say Houston. We'll have to see. But I'm going to enjoy every second of the next 60 days. That's for sure. Matty Fresh here with you tonight. Do not ask me about Aaron Rodgers. This is an XFL show. I'm joined by my producer, director, and the owner of the humble abode we call Studio Z with the green and orange lights accenting his little control room over there. Let's Chris go. Zook. What's up, man? Let's go. Hey, we got the, in Star Wars terms, some would say, the master against the Padawan on Thursday. We got June Jones, mm-hmm. AJ Smith going against each other. This is going to be a good matchup. Yeah, I like it. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's the line at right now? I think we're at two and a half. Two and a half? Seattle took some early money. But this could be kind of that, I don't know how much you like Star Wars, Zook, but that A.J. Smith, Anakin Skywalker role, June Jones, Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm definitely not a big Star Wars buff. (laughs) Well, thanks for asking. Hopefully we made a decent reference for you. I think that this will be interesting, and we know what happened in Revenge of the Sith. At least I do. I don't know if Zook ever saw that movie. Regardless, before we ramble on too much, on tonight's show, we have chalk across the board in week four. And what does that mean? Well, all the favorites won, all the favorites covered. Simple as that. We thought maybe a chance for an upset or two in week four. That did not happen. Uh, our biggest upset in league history, fun fact here, Zook, was when St. Louis knocked off Seattle in week two, which looking back, that doesn't even feel like an upset. So who will be that first team to, to, to cover one of these spreads or to knock somebody off outright? We'll have to see. Hasn't really happened yet. Uh, the gap has widened a little bit, I think, between the contenders and the pretenders this week, and it's really a four-team race for the two remaining playoff spots in this thing at this point. I think we kind of know who's eliminated. Uh, we're going to take an early look at your week five lines, as we always do on Monday. And Guys, we have a spiraling Mikey Manziel. Now 0-4 on the season, doing even worse with his best bets. Mikey's back on the show tonight. What will he have to say in man-to-man? The Guardians and the Vipers in a loser off in week five. Mike, you got to give us something this week. This might be the best game in XFL history. Somebody's got to win. Somebody's got to win. That's the most important part. So uh, before we jump into all the games to uh, recap tonight, there's really no easy way to do this. Uh, We had some really tragic news come out of the XFL this past weekend uh, as the St. Louis Battlehawks reopened that dome at America Center for the first time in three years. Uh, Team trainer Ben Siegfried last played his college ball for the Lebanon Valley College Dutchman, which is 
just miles here from Studio Z that we call home. <sighs> Passed away at age of 22. Um, really just, just no words uh, when this sort of thing happens. It, it's not fair, and it, it's really just not okay that Ben wasn't present and didn't get to witness history uh, that he would have loved to be part of. And, it, you know, that attendance figure came out. They broke a record, 38,310. It, it should have been 38,311, and it's important that we remember that. Uh, here at Spring Ball Boulevard, we are dedicating the rest of the XFL season to Ben Siegfried. Um, everything, his life, uh, the people that he impacted, his friends, his family. Um, you saw the helmet stickers and, and some of the signs that uh, the league was honoring him. And uh, we, we, Ben and I shared a dream, which is to work in sports. And I know many of you share that same dream. And uh, Ben Siegfried will absolutely never be forgotten. Uh, may he rest in peace. And, and we send thoughts and prayers to his family and his friends and his loved ones. Uh, ben Siegfried gone much too soon and of course there's no transition for something like this uh so we're just gonna go you know collect ourselves and get right into the show here we have our xfl standings update if you're listening along on podcast houston at 4-0 dc at 4-0 they are the class of the league so far going down the rest of the xfl north the battle hawks improved to 3-1 seattle two straight they are 2-2 two and two. vegas at 0-4 and, and in the rest of the south Arlington in two and two, San Antonio one and three. They will play two times in a row here. Interesting scheduling quirk there. Uh, but that'll be huge in this battle for second place in the South. And then Orlando falls to 0 and 4. So that's where they're at. How did they get there? We start off with our Saturday game. This was the Boulevard Bowl Tour destination for week four. Beautiful venue here, guys. I had been there before, like I mentioned, to see Penn State in the Citrus Bowl. Uh, but I never had the chance to get on the field at Camping World Stadium. It's really in great shape over there. I took a couple moments after the game, just take it all in. Uh, walked out, looked at the field, looked up at the stands, and man, they really got that venue in good shape. It's really a shame that they don't have like a, a college football national championship or anything going on there, at least like the ACC title game. I think they could play there. It's, it's a great venue, and they've had like a WrestleMania there. Um, there's been some some great events there, so really cool to take in all that history. Thank you to the Orlando Guardian staff, especially Andy Seeley, for the invite. Uh, we had a great time in Camping World Stadium. So we said back on Thursday that the week one version of this matchup featured a spread that odds makers were just light years off on, right? They put this number at three and a half and ended up being a 17-point Houston win. Well, the odds makers can't figure this one out because they whiffed terribly on this total. This was 36 and a half, Sook. If you had over 36 and a half, you were one point away. Actually, you were a field goal away. In the first half alone. So the Houston Roughnecks, they just continue to dominate the first half of games. And because I was up in the press box at Camping World Stadium, I did miss A.J. Smith belting out GTFO. I don't know if he said that on the broadcast. Look, we hear that a lot from him. GTFO in his play calls. I did miss that. It's it's really a treat to hear A.J. call these games. He's going to be in the NFL someday. Um, I'll tell you when you lost any chance of covering, if you did go out on a limb and take Orlando plus nine, which... I thought about, not going to lie, uh, after Kerry Vincent fell over in the secondary and Paxton Lynch hit that 81-yard bomb, which ended up being the longest touchdown in XFL history in 2023 uh, to Charles and Rambo. Remember, that pulled the game to 26-16, 
And they elected to go for two, uh, which is from the five-yard line, of course. A penalty on Houston pulled that even closer. So now you have it from the two. You have a chance to make this thing an eight-point game. This was a pivotal point for Orlando, who had scored 13 unanswered points. They kind of owned the second and third quarter. And as Zook said last week, we talked about Houston fell into that lull, and Orlando had a chance to capitalize. You call a quarterback draw with your backup. This is the problem with this team. Just can't get out of their own way. You know damn well your offensive line has been mismatched all season. You saw on film San Antonio was shut down four times from the goal line against Houston last week, and you run a QB draw right into the teeth of that interior line. It's, it's just puzzling to me. I mean, Paxson Lynch made the play of the season for the Guardians offense there. You pull him out. This isn't Jordan, Tamu, and Derek King, Derek King, how they run it. Lynch needed to stay in there, and they needed to figure out a play for him to get the ball in his hands. Um, they lost all the momentum they had in that single moment. And Houston, who, interestingly enough, had as many touchdown passes by a wide receiver in the first half as they had rushing attempts. That's got to be some sort of record. Um, they went out the next drive. They fed Dejon Lee four times for 35 yards on one drive and a touchdown. They just went to the run game. They, they went up 16. That was it. That was all she wrote. Paxson Lynch, 10 of 12 in the first half, had a good start. Only 8 of 18 in that second half. 13 penalties, Zook, and they gave up four sacks. Again, that brings their total to 11 sacks against Houston that they've given up combined with week one. And those 13 penalties, each one of them drove them back even farther. Uh, interesting moment after the game. We spoke with linebacker Stansley Maponga, uh, 31-year-old vet, bounced around the NFL, played for TCU, just one of the leaders of this team. And just raw emotion from him in the, in the press conference. Um, unhappy with the officials. And this is the second straight week that we sit in on a press conference. And honestly, I, I kind of expected to hear, you know, some things from Orlando based on how the vibes were on the sideline. But man, Stansley, he, he was in rough shape. He, he basically told us, and if, if you want to check out the whole thing, go ahead and hit up my Twitter, Maddie Fresh TV. You can see the clip. He told us that he went over to the refs and told him he was getting hands in the face and getting grabbed and pushed around, and the refs just told him to quit bitching. And he said it right there, and, and, and he went on about it a little bit, and then the, you know, the, the next question came up. But check that out on my Twitter. Stansley Mapanga just not happy with the officiating. Just felt like he was being bullied and abused out there and never getting any calls. And he said this has been going on all season. So, again, we don't want to overreact to things like this. Obviously, guys are never going to complain about officiating after they win. But just really raw emotion. And, and these players are opening up about this kind of thing. So it'll be interesting to see what the league does to react to that. Um, he, he really kind of described Orlando's 0-4 start in what I thought was perfect fashion. And he ended his statement by saying, there's only so much I can take. And I think a lot of people in that Guardians locker room echo that sentiment, including Terrell Buckley, uh, who we asked, was he going to take over play calling duties? I was sitting in the press box. I saw a tweet from my guy, XFL Outsider. He said, hey, on the broadcast, they just said uh, they played a video with Terrell Buckley basically telling Robert Ford he was going to take over play calling duties going forward. So we asked him in the press conference afterwards, and he says, 
listen, there's a lot that we have to think about. So interesting stuff to come out of this press conference from T-Buck. I haven't heard anything yet on the status of Robert Ford. Again, really short time to do this. We saw Vegas do it last week, but yeah, big decisions to make. And um, it, it just goes, it, it goes back to your expectations leading into the season versus your reality now. And it's really not that much different. And that's crazy to me, right? Because who knew anything about this league or these teams? It's really, really hard. And to be honest, people underrated Houston, especially the odds makers. I think they were fifth or sixth on the board for championship. But Orlando, they were right about. And I'm not sure why, if it's just T-Buck being inexperienced or the roster just not being there. But a lot to work on in Orlando. But on the other side, Houston is 4-0. A.J. Smith is as genius as ever. Like I said, just a treat to watch him. And Brandon Silvers, just out there putting on a clinic. He looks so sharp. They dialed up that Mike Leach play, and, and that was really sweet to see. Uh, we talked to Wade Phillips and Brandon Silvers after the game, and they said, swing your sword. The Mike Leach play, the double forward pass, and, and A.J. Smith put a, a nice tribute out to him on Twitter about how Coach Leach used to ask him about what he had cooking up in his, uh, his kitchen about what are the new recipes he was going to throw out there. And he told him, double forward pass, here it is. So Mike Leach smiling down on us watching that one from football heaven. Uh, and again, they did this without their starting tailback, Max Borgi, late scratch. So different guys stepping up for Houston. They had that next man up mentality. Remember, it was Deontay Burnett week one. It was Ben Putman week two. We had Kirkland last week. And now, Travel Harris, the former Cougar. What a game from him. Three catches, 83 yards, two scores. Brandon Silvers, early MVP candidate, up to 10 touchdown passes on the year, only three picks. And that's the Houston Roughnecks at 4-0. They keep rolling. We're going to get into a little debate later on in our power poll, which we have for you, of course, every Monday. But Houston, 44-16 winners. They cover, again, 4-0 against the spread. So the first two weeks of the season, Zook couldn't join us for Victory Monday. I think he got sick of it. He kicked down the door. He said, I want to be here. Somebody invite me to Victory Monday. Well, ever since that happened, two times, Seattle rattles off a win. They cover. They shut down the San Antonio Brahmas at a 15-6 win. Great crowd, Zook, and Lumen Field. They bring about 6,000 more in than they had, five to 6,000 more. And we knew that because their opener was on a Thursday. And now they got to play another Thursday game. So not ideal for your attendance numbers to have two of your three first home games on a Thursday. But you're really going to see this attendance start to pick up in Lumen Field. They were loud. That 12th man was out, not just for the Seahawks, but for the Sea Dragons as well. Here's the headline, though, Zook, of Saturday night in Seattle. June Jones goes for one. He blew our minds. It's a miracle. I'm sitting there pinching myself. He went for one. And, and they were up nine in that game. So it's almost like if you didn't go for one, you would have been chastised. You would have been crucified for that one. But they didn't get it. <laughs> they didn't get it. He'll never do it again. He said, everybody in the universe wants me to go for one right now. Okay, I'll cave. They run the ball. They don't get it. So he's never doing that again. It doesn't matter what they'll be up by. Um, anyway, if you watch Thursday's show, you, you weren't surprised at all by the result of this one. Um, I said if you were going to back San Antonio – this offense was going to have you 
miserable. And boy, did they ever. You learned everything you needed to know about the San Antonio Brahmas on their first drive. They get into a third and one. Jack Cohn pulls the read. His tailback, Kalen Balaj, gets crushed anyway. Cohn loses like four yards. We know he can't run. It's just these short yardage situations. Like, I say, I say, situations. That's what they feel like, not situations. For San Antonio in these short yardage situations, that's honestly what they feel like. They can't convert these plays. Third and short, fourth and short. They just, we'll, we'll pull up their numbers on third down later, but man, just brutal. Last week, four plays from the one to be Houston. They can't get a yard. They lose five. Final drive of the game, it reared its ugly head again. Fourth and one. And I can't even be mad at them for the play call because they actually threw it this time. I was critical of them for trying to pound it up the middle four times. So they throw it and they still can't get a completion. I just, it's ironic to me that the San Antonio Brahmas wear black and yellow. Because they remind me of the Iowa Hawkeyes. I I haven't seen an offense this bad and a defense this good since the Iowa Hawkeyes. And all night, that Brahma's defense just battling. I I can't figure it out with this team. And and Heinz Ward alluded to it in the postgame press conference. We're not playing complimentary football. Special teams crushing it. Parker Romo drills a 57-yarder. Defense out there killing it without some of their best players. The Scott Twins were out. Offense, awful. I point to a drive in the third quarter where the San Antonio Brahmas proved they were for real on defense. 13 plays, 60 yards for the Dragons. They eat up seven minutes. And they had to settle for a field goal. That's huge to get them off the field there with three. Luke Barco, seven, or what do you have, six tackles? He had a pick, a sack. Great game for number one in yellow. And not a single one of you Brahmas fans or betters are allowed to be mad at him. It wasn't his fault they lost this game. And I know everybody will point to that play with Josh Gordon. Was not his fault. You cannot expect this defense to hold forever. It's like plugging a leak with a sticky tack. It's going to bust. The San Antonio Brahma's defense cannot hold forever in these games. They held Houston to zero points in the second half last week. When will they score? But flipping to Seattle, and there's the third down numbers that we mentioned, just awful. 35% on the season, 18 and 23% the last couple of weeks. Um, flipping to Seattle a little bit here, Morgan Ellison. I mean, what can you say about this guy? 16 carries, 69 yards. And like always, each one of them was hard fought. Each one of them, he was trucking over somebody to get. I just, I don't know, Zook. Brian Hill's really good for St. Louis. And a lot of you love him in, in daily fantasy. I think Morgan Ellison's the best tailback in this league. Very, very good running back out of southeastern Louisiana. So this is the least amount Seattle scored all year, which we figured might happen in a game like this. but. Uh, 5.2 yards per carry for Ellison. He has 10 runs of 10-plus on the season. That leads the league by a mile. Uh, He also leads the league in yardage. No surprise there. And I wouldn't have known that coming into the year because, again, he was behind Brendan Knox on the depth chart, and he also has a run-and-shoot offense that they pass to set up the run. So great, great job for Morgan Ellison. When we do our midseason awards here, 
on Spring Ball Boulevard. He'll definitely be in line for a few superlatives. And the Seattle defense, guys, better than you think. Coach Fly, the Penn State guy, with his Penn State product out there, Sharif Miller. He's a linebacker coach in Seattle. Shout out him. Sharif Miller, another sack. Tuzar Skipper, two sacks of his own. A huge one down the stretch. And we said Thursday, we thought Ben DiNucci could get to 300 passing yards in this one. Well, he fell short. He got to 264. But I did say hammer that under two and a half pass touchdowns. He only threw one passing touchdown. That Brahma secondary is legit. So the Iowa Hawkeyes of the XFL fall to one and three on the season. I know. I get it. You didn't have TJ Vasher. He's your best receiver. Listen, it's no excuse. DC won games this year with three offensive linemen out. It's next man up. Houston just missed, he, they were missing their tailback. He's done a ton this year. They won. So you got to find ways to replace these guys. And I know Vasher's a valuable asset, but I'm not sure he would have really done that much against Seattle. So Heinz uh, Ward, how, how much longer is he going to put up with Jamie Elizondo? That's the question. I know he kind of wanted to get more involved in play calling, but this is not the Heinz Ward standard. So it'll be interesting to see if Elizondo will last. Um, Parker Romo, again, highlighting him. 57-yard field goal. That was the longest one by far. That kid got himself an XFL tryout, or NFL tryout, excuse me. So, Zook, that Ben DiNucci interception, uh, I was on the road. I would have loved to have been watching the game with you here. What? I mean, we're throwing the ball up nine. At the end of the game, I think San Antonio had two timeouts. Ben DiNucci throws a pick. And we heard Jim Haslett after the game calls him over during handshakes and he says, I'm going to kill you. It's no filter from the old man Haslett. I hope Danucci took the message because that got scary at the end and they are minus eight in turnover margin. So Seattle kind of flying close to the sun here, but they are two and two and on the right track. And that was your Saturday games. That one ended late on the East coast, uh, about 1230. Of course, like the video, subscribe to the channel. Eight episodes of Spring Ball Boulevard already after this one in the books. And unfortunately, four of those have featured this goofball. Man to Man with Mikey Manziel, now 0-4. We'll be back on the boulevard after Mikey tells you how terrible he is at betting. Stay tuned. Welcome back. This is week four of XFL football. I'm Mikey Manziel, and this is Man to Man. I don't know if you noticed, my chest ain't painted, and I don't got no binky in. My cousin Johnny made a call to Matt and told him that this wasn't allowed anymore. Um, I also paid a couple extra bucks, I'm not gonna lie. Um, Vegas, you guys gotta be better for me. Um, this is just this is getting my hand. Um, I don't know if any of you did see, uh, hopefully Matt does link it in here. I did officially apply to be the offensive coordinator of the Vegas Vipers. I know many of you are thinking, what the hell do you know about football? And let me tell you, in this playbook here, it is a high-flying, high-octane, Rex Ryan, air raid system. Fly me out there, Vegas. We'll turn this 0-3 to the dream team. Let's get in to our first game of the week. We got Houston versus Orlando. I'm going to start off here with something that I don't know if a lot of you caught here. Um, Mr. Kirkland here caught a touchdown 
We got we got game going on in the back. He's clapping. Let me show you something when it goes full screen here. Look at how he looks at her after he gets so excited. They stop the game from being on the screen. Look at this. He looks over. He licks his lips. He gets that grin. He fell in love on that field. Uh, that's really all I was going to show in this game. We got a third and one here. This is a big play. And as you look at this defense here, you're breaking down. There's a safety really far back here. Um, they are in straight man. Uh, if I'm a quarterback here, I'm looking to my go-to guy. And it is always your slot receiver. Look at how far back this guy's playing. I already know it's man-to-man. -man. A hot route, quick slant. This is a perfect find. They didn't even have to motion to each other. They already knew what was going on. Easy conversion. We have trips to the left, and AJ McCarron sees this defense again, and he already knows what he wants to go to here. He motions out to Darius Shepard, who used to be a Packer, by the way. <sighs> North Dakota State University as well. And he motions out twice. Changes the first one, gets to the second one here. They motion back, they know what's going on. This is just perfectly executed. He floats one up, perfect route, perfect ball. This team feeling himself, and when they start getting going, I don't know what's gonna stop them. But this next play is why Ben DiNucci and Josh Gordon have been in the NFL before, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they both get a shot somewhere else. This is just, you, you're playing man-to-man -man on Josh Gordon. I'm looking there all day. He's wide open. You're giving him that much cushion. I'm surprised he didn't score here. It, it's just been ridiculous. And the best kicker in the league. How do you guys not like this name? Giffen. Bailey mother effing Giffen. But listen, this is this is huge. We got the two-minute drill here, right? Luis Perez is out here. He's in here. He's throwing dimes. This is a quick seam route, had a linebacker on him. Perfect placement, perfect placement. All I gotta say is, it, it, it's just perfect route, perfect perfect identification of, uh, of a defense here. We're just checking it down, trying to get in range, making some plays. They're running hurry up here. 86 gets nine yards, Lewis Price shuts it down. This is just, this is just bang bang football. But this is the play that changes the whole game. They score this touchdown, this game, is a totally different ball game in the second half. And Dean freaking Blandino messes it all up for Vegas. Th this is this is how our season's been. Right here, if this is not overturned, we have ourselves a different ball game, folks. This is just this is just gut-wrenching if you're a Vegas fan. I'm sitting here, I'm watching this, and I already know there's nothing that goes right for Vegas. I I'm I'm astonished. And then what happens next? blew my mind. A 10 second runoff because a call was overturned. And I'll tell you what, Mr. Woodson, I don't blame you. I would have been tossed out of this game. I'm going to get down on my hands and knees and I'm going to beg you, please win. Please win. I can't, I can't do this much longer. Where is the I shed a tear, Zook.
some great moments in that little montage. That was uh, some of Mike's better betting days. Back on Memorial Day, we actually hit IndyCar on uh, Indy 500. We hit 12 to 1. I forget the driver's name, which is terrible, but Mike looking to get back to those days. <laughs> Hasn't gone well for him here in 2023. And playing the Guardians next week. If they lose that game, I'm, I'm not sure. Much like Heinz Ward and Rod Woodson and some other guys had to make uh, decisions Zook on the future of their employees. <laughs> if he doesn't escape the basement next week against Orlando, I think that's going to be the end of Mikey Manziel. So you heard him, Vegas. He's begging. He's pleading. Get a win for his sake. Do you think he's hoping for expansion so he can pick a new team next year? The St. Louis Battlehawks buried the Arlington Renegades 24 to 11. <laughs> this show, I, I don't know what to do, Zuck. Uh, so we did have the all-time spring football record for attendance broken on Sunday. That's cool. And amongst all the spectacle that that was, I, you know, I'm a Defenders fan, so I, I can't sit here and kiss ass all day. It was a great crowd. I'll give you that. Congratulations to the St. Louis Battlehawks for what you put on. But you weren't even good enough for The Rock to show up. I mean, we had The Rock in Naughty Field week one. The Rock didn't even come to St. Louis. I'm sorry. It was a pre-recorded video, Zook. Come on. At least The Rock came to D.C. <laughs> Y'all scared him away there. You're crazy. Uh, I do got to say, though, ESPN picked the right crew for this game. Listening to Greg McElroy call an A.J. McCarron game, that's like porn for Bama fans. I mean, they must have been just having a field day with that. I'm a Big Ten guy, and I even enjoyed that. And, and you know that those two haven't necessarily seen eye to eye. There's been some controversy with some comments that were made back and forth. Uh, but they seem to get along pretty well. I know they had the sideline interview where the sideline reporter asked McCarron, what does the, the little elbow scratch he did mean on the, on the signal over to Darius Shepard on the touchdown? And, and he's like, ah, you know, I can't really tell you. And McElroy's up in the booth saying, AJ, we know. We know what it is. And AJ said, yeah, that's a little bit of old school Bama. So, again, listen, Crimson Tide fans, your football program's amazing. Your basketball program is number one in the freaking tournament. And, you know, now you get Greg McElroy and A.J. McCarron. You just, you just get everything. I don't know what to tell you. So uh, what is it that the St. Louis Battlehawks did? Well, they dismantled Arlington. Uh, we had the minus four they covered. We told you they would all along. It was a slow first half, and A.J. did still not get any P.I. calls, which surprised me. I thought they were going to throw some laundry early to kind of make up for last week, but they didn't. Uh, he let a ball sail over Austin Prohl's head in the hands of Joe Powell. That's safety for Arlington, and I'm sure a lot of you St. Louis Battlehawk fans were sitting there saying, hey, that guy looks familiar. Isn't that the guy who returned the kickoff for a touchdown in 2020? Yep, that's him, Joe Powell, now an Arlington Renegade. Um, AJ bounced back, guys, and, and you saw. Two huge second-half touchdowns, one to Shepard, one to Hakeem Butler. You saw man-to-man -man where he just said about that little signal that he gave, that's classic AJ McCarron, just audibling to that corner. Actually, it wasn't even an audible, just hand signal. 
Uh, I know Anthony Beck gets a ton of credit as the face of this franchise, and, and he rightfully should, but what a game from the coordinators. Bruce Gradkowski in the offense, Donnie Abraham on the defense. They continue to be silent leaders of the St. Louis group. And I know there was a lot of doubt, including myself. Remember, I had St. Louis, I'm not afraid to admit it, number six in my preseason power poll. And there was a lot of narrative going around saying, oh, these coordinators are inexperienced. The, the head coach has never been a head coach. So St. Louis slowly proving all the preseason expectations wrong. And the odds makers had them pinned pretty well. They had them favored to win the league at, at four to one to open the season. So some of the, you know, stuff circling around the XFL before the season just didn't give them enough credit. And I'll, I'll be the first one to admit that St. Louis is a good football team. Um, I know Bruce Gradkowski and AJ have an interesting dynamic, right? We saw a little bit of this in, in player 54, Bruce said that AJ is kind of that second quarterback coach for him to have around, which is neat, right? Um, the two aren't that much different in age. Uh, in fact, Bruce Gradkowski and AJ McCarron both backed up Carson Palmer in different years in Cincinnati. So when AJ comes off the field uh, after, who was it, Nate Metters gets that pick for St. Louis and, and they go right to Brian Hill in the run, AJ comes over, he goes, man, we can't get away from Cavalier, which I assume is their, is their pass package. Uh, he's like, we got to throw the ball here. And he's, he's talking to Ricky Prohl, the wide receiver coach who probably agrees, but you know, of course the quarterback's going to want to throw it as much as possible. Brandon Silvers is spoiled out there in Houston gets to throw it the entire first half. They don't run it once. I'm sure every quarterback in this league would love that uh, on tape to get back to the NFL. But I do, I got to give it to Brian Hill. He was awesome. Uh, great effort on that two point conversion catch to get to the pylon. They went up eight instead of six in that because of that. So you think about some of this. Uh, the St. Louis offensive line, our buddy Steven Gonzalez in there, just pancaking guys, zero sacks for the Arlington Renegades. And that was without the starting left tackle. Jared Jones, he'll sit one more game. Wow, what an effort. So what do we know about Jonathan Hayes? Well, I think he's on the hot seat. Probably throw Chuck Long in there, too. I know these are Bob Stoops' guys, but man, how much longer can this go on? Plitt didn't work, so they bring in Sloter. That didn't work either. He tosses three picks on Sunday afternoon, and it would have been four if Caleb Vander Esch didn't come down with an acrobatic catch in the third quarter. That's a 50-50 ball. They just have zero run game. Davion Smith held to under two and a half yards per carry again. I mean, it, this run game's not anywhere near what I thought it would be. Through four games, you've scored four offensive touchdowns. You're eighth in passing, eighth in rushing, eighth in scoring. And we just saw Vegas let their offensive coordinator go for far less than that. So, again, I know it's family. Bob Stoops talks about his connections with Hayes and Long, his whole coaching career. But it, it, it's time for a change. I, I don't know what you do. You're just not performing I mean, they got San Antonio next week. That game might be six to three, Zook. Early lean on the under. I don't care if it's 12. <laughs> if you like defense, watch that game. But another thing that stands out to me about Arlington, some of you may not have realized this, 0-4 against the spread. They are fade city. And Vegas is catching up to that. Not the Vipers, the odds makers. They are catching up and starting to realize, wait, a team that we thought was one of the best squads in the, in the league, they were third best odds to win the title, is just 
awful against the spread. Like I said, 0-4. And, and they've adjusted. They've put Arlington with a better record as a two-and-a-half-point underdog in San Antonio this weekend. A fall from grace. And, and we kind of saw this in 2020. Arlington was expected to perform far better than they did. They finished the season 2-3 and three before it was canceled. But they have a chance to turn it around. Just I think some changes need to be made. Maybe you bring in one of those star quarterbacks. Mikey Manziel. <laughs> Next up for the Arlington Renegades. Not too much to say about that side of the ball. Here's the schedule. You got San Antonio twice in a row. The crazy part about this is, and this is not going to please Chris Sook, Arlington is going to finish with a worse record than Seattle and still have a chance to make the playoffs because of the way these divisions are aligned. I think these next two games are crucial, obviously. Probably a split here of these next two. But this second place race in the South, is going to come down to the very end. And unless Brandon Silvers gets hurt for Houston, none of those teams are sniffing first place. And Orlando is just looking for year two at this point. So huge two games coming up for those. We'll get to those in our preview on Thursday. And like we said, next game, we had a victory Monday. The D.C. Defenders complete the sweep of Mikey Manziel's Vegas Vipers in Audi Field. We remain undefeated inside the confines of Audi Field at the Navy Yard. That's something notable there. That crowd put on their hard hat. They went to work. I said, they're not taking a week off of the beer snake just because it's a Sunday night in the rain at 7 o'clock. And they almost reached the top again. And they recycled this time. That's the D.C. way. So what about this game? We broke the news on Friday morning that the Vipers decided to part ways with offensive coordinator Dwayne Taylor. Uh, We got more insight from Mike Mitchell who told us that it was a Rod Woodson decision. And I don't know. Like I said, to me, there's far worse offenses in this league. Uh, Orlando, Arlington, San Antonio, they've all been a disaster statistically. So I was surprised to see Taylor go first, but I'm sure it was more than we're reading into. I'm sure there was something that we don't know. Um the broadcast kind of choosing not to acknowledge it all that much. Ray Sherman, the veteran, did step in to call plays. Um, He's had offensive coordinator experience in the NFL. But you wonder if Dwayne Taylor was watching out there because the first play from scrimmage after his tenure, Brett Hundley fumbled the snap, and it came in low. I can't even blame Hundley for that. They got a backup center in there. But didn't look much better for Vegas, and that's credit to that D.C. defense, but... Interesting situation with Dwayne Taylor being let go. Uh, Vegas finding themselves in a hole less than two minutes in the game, like we said. Mikey highlighted Bailey Giffen, who he said was the best kicker in the league. I will say, Zook, Bailey Giffen and the rain go together like June Jones and one-point conversions. Great combo. He missed right from 33. Stayed on his feet this time, at least, and... After a solid 13-play, 60-yard drive, they end with zero points. Uh, that chewed up over seven minutes. It was a key drive for Vegas to get points out of. They didn't. But Dole Brown was on the IR for D.C. in weeks one and two. He makes a huge play throughout the game. Big number six out there, the D lineman. And they pull Hunley, and it was all Luis Perez from there. Rod Woodson and Ray Sherman showing very little patience with Brett Hunley. I don't think it was an injury. Luis Perez back in there, and he ends up 23 of 32 for 283 yards, a score, 
and a pick. Actually, had two scores. One late in the game. Um, I thought he had a rushing TD at the end of the first half there, too, but we saw what happened there. <clears throat> Rod Woodson flipped his lid after that 10-second runoff. Tough situation there, and I did. I felt bad for this officiating crew because they rolled it a touchdown on the field. They said Perez was in. Immediately, Blandino gets brought into the broadcast and says, <clears throat> no, we have him short. So can you imagine being the white hat in this situation? Blandino pops in your ear. He says, no, you're wrong. Actually, we're going to flip this. And because it's a 10-second runoff, the half is over. Good luck telling the NFL Hall of Famer who's already pissed off at you. <laughs> like, these guys are the front lines. We got to give some respect to these officials, man. Hey, good luck. I mean, every decision that Dean Blandino makes from here on out is going to fall on them. And they're going to get the brunt of it from these coaches. And, and man, Rod Woodson was livid. But besides that, Perez actually had the best game statistically against a D.C. defense that any quarterback, including Ben DiNucci and A.J. McCarron, has all season. Uh, we, we gave you a stat line. SinQ Sweeting, massive game for the product from Slippery Rock. He's been a breakout star. Twice now, Sweeting cashes the over. He did it in week one with that late touchdown against Arlington. He does it again. That one killed me, by the way. At Arlington minus two and a half back in week one. Be six and one now. Seven and one if it wasn't for that. But Sweeting just doesn't give up out there. Tough, gritty guy sitting in the press conference after the game in full pads. That's the kind of guy you want playing for you at a slippery rock. A um, couple notes on this D.C. offense. Jordan Tamu, zero love in the early XFL MVP race. And I expected it to be that way. You hear Brandon Silvers and A.J. McCarron and Ben DiNucci. And you know what Jordan Tamu is going to do. He's going to end up being the Stetson Bennett of this D.C. Defenders title run. You know, Caleb Williams won the Heisman. That's all well and good. Stetson Bennett leaves with two national titles. Jordan Tamu doesn't need the accolades. Just won a championship. That's that D.C. mentality. You know what none of those guys I mentioned have done? Run for 98 yards. Actually, what do you have? 89 yards. So almost, almost 90. We flipped the numbers. 89 yards, completed 74% of his passes during the game, and never took a sack. Those three guys haven't done that yet this season. That's impressive, and I'm telling you, it, it'll be hard to stop. The, the, the short pass was effective yet again for D.C. We've been seeing that all year. Chris Blair emerging as wide receiver one. I think he had four catches for 84 yards. This is back-to-back weeks where Blair has just been a huge target at a Alcorn State for Reggie Barlow's squad. Um, Jaquez Ezard redeems himself. He scores his first-ever XFL touchdown, first-ever touchdown as a pro as well. Uh, He fumbled the kickoff in the game, so that was a little bit of redemption. And and looking at the offensive line, we know we didn't see too much of Ryquell Armstead running behind them. He only had four carries. They mostly went with Abram Smith, who was a little underwhelming. But, again, all that matters is you win. I think Smith had 58 on 22 carries. Uh, They got Jersey Mike Maietti back at center. He was the week one starter. He was injured against Seattle. And I noticed in the third quarter they kind of paced Maietti with Bruno Reagan, that new addition up front. So, uh, might not be on a full snap count yet. Ty Clary was inactive yet again. TJ Stormont is now with the Guardians. So they've been rotating, but these five seem to be Hayes, Liam Ryan, Jersey Mike, who, Fornadel, and Kyle Murphy. That seems to be the five that they're going with for DC. So 
They can rotate Reagan in and out. They have a couple more guys that they picked up. Uh, Tony Garcia was traded for. So DC offensive line just hanging in there. Credit to uh, Russ Ehrenfeld, the coach out there. And hopefully they can get Ty Clary back soon. But um, Alex Ellis also filled in very well as a tight end. He was an addition this week from the Arlington Renegades in that trade. And he had to step in right away because Ethan Wolf was out. So the D.C. defenders, 4-0 and number one in our new XFL power poll. D.C. or Houston? This is the debate that everybody's going to get into when they see this power poll. This is the third straight week that I've had D.C. here. I think I moved, uh, moved them up after the Vegas win in week two. Both coaching staffs are phenomenal. Both teams have been running the ball well, passing the ball well. I think it was a little bit of an outlier for Houston to throw it as much as they did in this last week's game. I know it's the air raid, but they have been getting Borgie in there to run the ball. Two shutdown defenses. I just, to me, DC beat two of the top four teams in the league. Obviously, DC is one of the four. So really three teams there to pick from. They beat Seattle. They beat St. Louis. Houston, they've only beaten up on my bottom four here. They beat San Antonio, Arlington, and Orlando twice. I have to see more from the Houston Roughnecks. And we will when they get a chance to go on the road for Thursday night football to Seattle. What a treat that will be. But I just think D.C. is more tested than Houston. I don't know if Houston has had that big injury yet right? DC's had guys banged up and it's just been next man up. Houston dealing with Borgie a little bit banged up. Will he be back? We'll have to see. But I don't know. I don't don't know if Houston's quite tested yet. Great football team in their own right. And AJ Smith is my pick for coordinator of the year so far, although Fred Kice is dialing it up. He had a play called 17 Gucci. Not 17 Danucci, 17 Gucci. Fred Kice in there, name and place. He might be an all-name playbook. But I just think Houston needs to show me in this heart of their schedule, they're going to Seattle, they're going to D.C. I think, I don't want to give away my picks for Thursday. I'm undecided on Houston-Seattle. D.C. will get a win at St. Louis close. Could this set up a 5-0 and matchup? This is everything we've been waiting for in the XFL season. Monday Night Football, do we get a Manning cast from that one? I'm hoping the power poll gets decided on the field so that I can show you guys why I had D.C. at number one. That's enough about those two. St. Louis isn't going to move. They win again. They're number three. Seattle, solid at number four. And this poll hasn't changed from last week from a numbers standpoint, but here's what has changed. Key difference. The gap between four and five is massive right now. It was close because San Antonio and Seattle played. I needed to see who won that game. We figured it would be Seattle, and it was. Big, huge gap between four and five, which isn't right because the XFL North is loaded, and that third-place team is going to get gypped out of the playoffs. I'm telling you right now. You may see six and four, potentially seven and three, St. Louis or Seattle miss the playoffs over what I think will be a six and four or five and five at the worst uh, team out of the South in San Antonio or Arlington. So 
I know. I didn't move Arlington up. Why would I? Again, they beat Vegas. They beat Orlando. That's the two teams they beat. That's the two teams you're ranked above. And everyone, oh, San Antonio's one and three. Arlington's two and two. Listen, look at the line this week. We are aligned with Vegas in this poll. And the odds makers are saying San Antonio's a two and a half point favorite at home. If it was in Arlington, probably be a pick them. Alamo Dome, you get a little bit of advantage there. But no, San Antonio is number five right now. And again, it doesn't matter because these teams are going to play twice. So Vegas and Orlando in the basement, they play as well for number eight. <laughs> Can't wait to see that one. Revisiting our best bets from week four on the boulevard. The money train keeps on rolling, Zook. Three and oh. And again, disclaimer. The record of Mikey Manziel does not reflect the record of Spring Ball Boulevard. I have to tell you guys every week, some of you don't listen to us. You just look at the screen and say, they're 3-1. and one. Mikey's just here because he pays us to be here, okay? I, I hate to say it that way. Yeah, don't tail him. <laughs> you can't. We, 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 we hope we made that clear for you guys. But anyway, I'm 6-2. and two. Zook is 3-1. and one. And we took chalk this week. We trusted the favorites, and they came through for us. You told me. You'd like St. Louis minus four. That was one we both agreed on. Sure. Houston minus nine. We were a little on the fence, but what do we say? Don't overthink it, Zuck. Yeah, I didn't love it, but I do now. What do we know? D.C. and Houston have never let us down. They're 4-0 against the spread. St. Louis is another one of those that's starting to come on here. And I don't know. I, I just feel like looking at these week five early lines, Houston again a favorite. They open at three at Seattle on Thursday night. Refresh, two and a half. Bang. Somebody gobbled up Seattle. Could have been Chris Sook without telling me. I don't think he wants to give away his best bet, but he did say he wasn't going to bet on his team ever again. So one of those sharps out there hammered Seattle because they I came st- down. I stopped betting on them. Yeah. Guess what happened? There you go. They started two winning. Two. Yeah. They started winning. They covered again. So. Yeah, I don't know. Houston, two and a half point short favorite on the road at Seattle. We, we usually talk about travel with these games, right? With the Arlington XFL hub. So Houston got the luxury, and I'm sure every coach loves this, of having the first game of the weekend. They played on the Saturday 7 p.m. slot against Orlando. I watched them all get on the bus after the game at Camping World Stadium. Uh, probably about 10.30 local time. They get on the bus. They're back to the airport. They fly to Arlington. They get in late Sunday morning. Uh, Seattle even later, right? Because they're coming back from the Pacific Northwest. They had the late game. So a couple hours of an advantage here for Houston in the travel this week. Remember, we had that weird spot earlier in the year where Seattle had to play a Sunday night game at D.C., fly back, get in at dawn Monday morning, and then go play a Thursday game on two days practice. So it's not going to be that bad this time, but these Thursday games are weird for these teams having to go back and forth to Arlington on a couple days rest. So I think it'll be even for these two. I think these two teams are both ready for it. I feel like Seattle keeps getting the short end of the stick on the yeah. Thursday games. I, well, I, I don't know what the – it must have been something with Lumen Field. If you're a Seattle uh, local, it had to be something, right? Because we saw St. Louis get sent on the road three weeks. That's because the Dome wasn't available. Remember, the XFL is leasing these venues. So they have to work around these leases. So I'm thinking there may have been something going on at Lumen Field because I don't think the XFL would willingly say, hey, Seattle – we love the 30,000 fans you brought out in 2020, but here's two of your first three home games on a Thursday night. I just, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, but I, I, I feel like you, wouldn't you rather put it on a Friday night? We're probably just ignorant. There's probably soccer or something going on out there. There has to be. What's that? I mean, they love their soccer out there. Can, can you bet on that? 
the Seattle Sounders, right? <laughs> we're, we're ignorant. I'm looking into show. it. Remember, we're people talking about uh, football in March, so we're ignorant to other sports. Anyway, uh, what else do we have? DC, one and a half point favorite. I was surprised to see that, Zook. What are your takes on that? I thought DC would open as an underdog. I was looking forward to getting them as a dog this week. Yeah, I, they're not. I mean, they're not fooling anybody, I guess. No. Even on the road, 40,000 strong in St. Louis. XFL Outsider asked me, am I going to that game? We'll see. I'll tell you on Thursday. The tough part about that game is, I don't know. It's, I still it, have to hire some security detail. It's that turnover go. battle. St. Louis yeah. didn't turn the ball over again. That's right. Uh, they got that cut out. Mm-hmm. Now they're going to play D.C. And they forced made, four turnovers this week. Right? So Now they're playing D.C., yeah. who, what, turned them over three times? Yeah. Uh, so we're going to see right. where that battle happens. You're right. A lot of these totals climbing up, by the way, that Houston-Seattle game, 41-and-a-half. Still think that's low. I'd lean the over there with these offenses. I think it's going to be a shootout. Could get into the high 30s for each team. Uh, D.C., 42 against St. Louis. That's a total. Vegas, minus 7-and-a-half in the Tank Bowl out there in Cashman Field. Orlando didn't cover last week, but they did cover against Arlington. Um, I don't know. This number's too high to me. It. You can't be seven and a half. What has Vegas shown you that they would be a seven and a half point? Nothing. Favorite? I think that's my lean right away early this week. I mean, if you're laying seven and a half with the Las Vegas Vipers, you have nothing better to do. I mean, they snap the ball and give it to the other team on the first play of the game. Mike, <laughs> there's, there's we six, don't mean to pile on, Mike. But there's six points right there. I'm not sure even Mike would lay seven and a half. He might take the money line at minus 300. <laughs> I had reservations about Houston minus nine. Yeah, yeah. Now you're getting Vegas minus seven and a half. Is Orlando that bad? I don't know. They showed flashes. They won the second and third quarter. It was actually what? Like 16 to 12 in the two quarters? Yeah, I don't think they're so, as bad as their well, record Be reflects. careful. Be careful. I really don't. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm talking about Orlando. I don't That's think they're as saying. bad. Yeah, I really don't. Who else do we have? San Antonio is a two and a half point favorite. So those of you who are going to get on me about the poll... Arlington is an underdog, and they are 0-4 against the spread. Fade City for the Renegades. Rena fades. I just love myself. I think 36 I just, is the total here. I think oh. I just puked in my mouth. <laughs> I puked in my mouth at this total. I would take the under 13.5. Seriously. This is 6-3. to three. This game sucks. It's ugly. Offense. If you like defense, watch it. And I, we're going to watch it because we love the XFL. Even though it's on Sunday night at 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock. They just aren't giving you easy mornings, Zook. No. This isn't Zook's full-time job, you know. No, it's not. He hasn't made that commitment to Springfall Boulevard yet. <laughs> so anyway, we're leaning the under in that San Antonio-Arlington game. Can I say we're, we're me, I am? Okay. Sure. Okay. And that Houston over I think I like as well against Seattle. So that's Spring Ball Boulevard. Thank you guys for joining us live here on Monday night. We know it's March Madness. Have fun. Fill out your brackets. Penn State's in the tournament. Pick them to at least go to the Final Four. Trust me. 250 to 1 to win the Natty if you want to take a flyer out. I I, I know. I understand. This is spring football. We're never going to compete with the big dance, of course. And the XFL ratings will surely take a hit the next two weeks. But we'll be right here with you. I'm even crazy enough to do a live show on Thursday night at 8 o'clock 
when Penn State plays their first ever tournament game in 12 years, like an hour after that. So you can imagine what my nerves will be like. We don't care. And you know why we don't care? Because there is no such thing as football season. We'll see you guys Thursday night. Fill out your brackets and enjoy. Enjoy.